guys are starting to show a little of your moves during the soundtrack of that uh, Tighter Die song, or Tighter Die song. This, this side especially, you kind of got into it. It's a little, <laughs> pretty soon I think we got to have you jump up and do a talent show. Um, hey, if you have your Bibles, Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. <clears throat> if you'd like me to take about four or five minutes, somebody had asked this, um, and I think there's a cabin of you that asked when I mentioned, hey, what did I learn here and how do I read the Bible? Or how did I learn it then and I put it into practice for 20 years? Um, if you have a piece of paper, pen, I just want you to write this down on your page, but it's put these letters down the side. Okay, so it's an acronym. Um, I've never forgotten it. I was 19, so that's 30 years ago. Uh, I still remember it like it was yesterday. So I'm going to do this real quick, then we're going to dive into Daniel chapter 3. Because it's one thing to say, hey, you should read the Bible. But maybe I should be also saying this is how you do it. Or this is a way. If you already have a way, don't worry about it. Do your own way. This is a way. Okay? So hopefully this is helpful. On your paper, just write this word, prom was. It's not really a word, but you won't forget it. Prom was. Because like prom was awesome. Prom was stupid. Like whatever prom was, you'll remember it. P stands for pray. Here's what you do. Before you start off and reading the word, you just pray. And you don't have to impress God. Don't like sit there and go, oh, Father in heaven, Lord of all things, King of kings, Lord of lords. Like he's sitting there going, oh, I forgot who I was. Just talk to him. And this is usually why I say, God, would you, would you reveal truth? Would you teach me more about yourself? Something. Just, I'm just talking to him. So pray is the first one. R is read. Read. And so what do you read? Well, pick a translation that makes sense to you. I know that there's a lot of people it's like, it's this translation or none. I'm not that guy. Pick it, but make sure it's a translation. I know they maybe say, I like the message. That's one guy's interpretation of the scripture, and he knew the, Eugene Peterson knows the languages. But I prefer a group of people, a group of scholars, men and women who've looked at a passage, and they've looked at the scriptures, they know the languages, and they put the translation together. So I'm not going to tell you all the different ones. Just find one that makes sense to you. If you're sitting there going, I'm a King James, or go for it, man. You want to be Shakespeare every night when you're reading? Go for it. That's awesome. But it, so long as it makes sense, okay? It's not just like read it, it magically just changes me. We need to understand it so we can do things with it. So P is what? Pray. R. Pray. O. O is observe. M is meditate. They kind of go together. This is what you do. So you, oh, I'm sorry. Also, how much do you read? Guys, don't feel like you need to read the Bible in a year, especially if you've never done this. Now, there's nothing holier about reading the Bible in a year. Some just like the practice. They like that practice as a normal thing. Here's what I would tell you. Uh, pick the book of Mark or the book of Philippians. If you've never done this, start in one of those two. Um, and you go from subheading to subheading. Does that make sense? So in your Bibles, you'll see a subheading. And about, I think in Mark chapter 1, around verse 7 or 8, then there's the next subheading. So just read that section. Honestly, if you just read that section, no interruptions, it should take you, I don't know, 60, 90 seconds, maybe two minutes at most. Meditation, though, so observe it. Here's what you do. So observe observation and meditation. Take a pen and write things in your Bible. You said, oh my gosh, what will happen? Nothing will happen. It's his word, not his face. You're fine. So you can, you can underline, you can bracket. Guys, observing, you find words that are repeated, phrases that are repeated, ordering of events, who's there. It's like who, what, where, when. Answer those questions. It's not a time to interpret the passage. You don't just read it once and go, this is what it means. Observe it. Are there words that are repeated? Are there phrases that are repeated? So that's observation. And while you're doing that, meditation is asking questions, noticing things that are, um, like if there's transitions, put, put, 
put things together, ask the questions, try to find answers, and you do all this while you're doing W. And W is to write. You're like, that doesn't make sense. That's R, R sound. No, write, guys. We started school. Write. So uh, in, my, in my backpack, anywhere I go, I have my own personal journal, and I just write. I'll look at something, and, uh, and here's what you'll write. Who likes creative writing? Like writing stories? You're like, okay. What's that? Bullet points, okay. Well, we'll get to you in just a second. Those that like creative writing, guys, pretend that you're in the passage. Put yourself in one of the characters of the passage and write from their perspective. Now you're engaged and you're trying to think through and think of what they're feeling and going through. For those that, who doesn't like creative writing? Here's what you do. As you're reading through, if a verse stands out or a phrase of a verse stands out, stop. Because it's my conviction when that happens that the Holy Spirit's trying to get your attention. You write out that verse word for word in your journal, and underneath it, you just write out why you wrote it. Why does it stand out? That's it. Does that make sense so far? P is R O M W A is apply. Good job. You guys are in it. Apply. So now you take it. Here's why I wrote it. This is what it means. I've observed it. I'm thinking about it. This is what it means. But there's, now there's an application. How do you take something that was written 2,000 years ago and apply it to your own life? And so this is where you start to pray. And friends, don't be afraid to write out your prayers. Like for some, does anybody have a hard time thinking, you're really going to be in prayer? I'm in prayer. And all of a sudden, there's your focus, and all of a sudden, your mind just goes all over the place. So what if you just take a pen and you start writing out your prayers? It's like, well, it takes longer. Yeah, but learn to waste time with God. So ask the Holy Spirit, hey, how do I apply this? What do you want me to do with this? And then S is share. Who said it? Come on, you don't, yeah, come on. Okay, so you share it with someone. Now, I'm not saying you have to share it every single time, but what you, what you should do is ask, ask the Lord, hey, is there someone that you want me to share this with? And here's the reason. How many of you have ever gotten a text or a message or a phone call or a visit from that person, from someone at the exact time that you needed it? Anybody? And it's kind of eerie, right? And we go, coincidence. And God in heaven going, I hate that word. Guys, God doesn't believe in coincidence. Do you realize that the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 or chapter 7, where it says, And God who comforts the downcast comforted me by the coming of Titus, by the coming of my friend. He came to me and he helped me. That's how God comforted Paul. So think about it. When you finish reading something, if someone comes to your mind to say, this is all you say, maybe steer, maybe steer clear from God wanted me to tell you. Friends, if people in the Old Testament said that and they weren't prophets of God and it didn't come true, they were supposed to be stoned to death. God does not like that statement being used if it is not absolutely from him. This is usually what you say. Hey, you came to my mind when I was spending time with the Lord. This verse stood out to me and I just wanted to share it. I hope it's helpful. That's it. P is R-O-M-W-A-S. Try it, guys. Tomorrow, when you get up, if you start the book of Mark, subheading to subheading, Philippians, subheading to, sub, subheading to subheading, see if it works for you. There's a way. If you sit there and go, I don't like all those letters. Can we go shorter? Sure. Just ask someone else. Hey, what, how do you do it? How do you do it? Just be prepared for those of you who, who are telling students to read the Bible or friends, if you're telling your friends to read the Bible, just make sure that you have a way so you sh- that you can actually show them, hey, I actually do the same thing. So it's a way. I hope it's helpful. Friends, let's pray. We're jumping into Daniel chapter 3. Let's pray together.
Father, thanks. Thanks for letting us hang out again tonight. Thank you for letting us be up here. Thank you for what you've done so far in pretty much 24 hours. God, it's awesome. God, I know that there are students who love you. There are students who just, they've been there, done that. There's students in here that don't like you, don't believe in you. But yet, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you meet us. Holy Spirit, would you convict us of sin? And Father, would you draw us to Jesus in intimacy with him, intimacy with you, God? Bless you. God, thank you for blessing. God, speak in a way that leaves us changed, convict and encourage us, whatever's necessary. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, man, the sneezes showed up. My gosh. Before we jump in, friends, I was standing over here on the side worshiping with you guys. And then I, I walked over to Alan Webster and I said, I, I just, I leaned in and I said, what a difference 24 hours makes. Guys, the first set of worship yesterday was, it was a little cold. It was just kind of like, really? You kind of get some songs in you a little bit. And I know it was late. I mean, you got to been up for like 45 hours or whatever it was, but... But then that last song, when we like the song after the message, you all just went nuts. And then you come in, and there's just this worship attitude. Isn't it amazing what God can do in 24 hours when we just focus? We just spend time with Him. I want to give you props for giving Him that time. I was so blessed to get to worship with you. Thank you. In Daniel chapter 3, Verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. That's 90 feet high. He set, it up on, uh, he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then Dem and I'm just going to paraphrase this part. The Nebuchadnezzar pretty much makes this, uh, this decree. Now think about it. He makes something after he's told about this dream. Guys, think about what he asked them to do. I want, I want all the wise people to come in, and I want you not just to, I don't want you to interpret my dream only. I want you to tell me what my dream was. That's what Nebuchadnezzar wants them to do, and he says, if you can't do those things, then you're going to die. Guys, have you ever had a dream that you remembered when you woke up and went, what the crud was that? Like, it's just, you're just, you're just walking on the beach, or you're walking in, like, you're on a hike in the mountains, and as you're going there, all of a sudden, you're running from your life from, a, like, a Twinkie, and you're just taking off, because you're, and all of a sudden, as you dive into molten lava, and you come out, and you're, you're covered in chocolate. Like, I don't know. It's like all these weird things, and then you wake up going, what was that? Our dreams are so weird, and here comes Nebuchadnezzar saying, tell me my dream and what it means, or you'll die. In three days, Daniel comes back with what it was and the interpretation. But he doesn't take credit. He says, there's a God who's revealed it to me. And then Nebuchadnezzar says, okay, we're going to worship him. No, he's great. He's great. And then, and then all of a sudden, he creates this image that kind of resembles a little bit of what he saw in his dream. It's almost like he, he, becomes, he becomes the God he wants to worship. And he says, hey, anyway, I'm going to play some music. 
And anytime you hear the music, everyone needs to bow down and face this 90-foot-tall image. And anyone who doesn't, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Guys, Daniel, I don't, I mean, maybe it was just like the, the video showed. We don't know where, I don't know where he is. It doesn't say. A lot of scholars think that between the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3 is about 20 years. So it's not just instant. So can you imagine there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and here we are, and we know this story, the fiery furnace, but how would you feel if all of a sudden you hear the decree and you know what's going to happen if you don't bow down? What would your decision be? Like, think through it. I mean, and, uh, and maybe we could justify it. It's like, we're just trying to protect ourselves so that we can have more of an impact on more people. Anyone who doesn't bow down, which is to worship this false god, will be thrown into a fiery furnace. And so the music plays. Everyone hits the floor except for who? The three. Man, they are standing out. There were some guys that were jealous of these three, and they made sure they wouldn't tattled. They told Nebuchadnezzar what was happening. Hey, they didn't bow down when the music played like you said to do. This image that you built, they didn't do it. They're saying no to you. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar gets ticked. As you get down to verse, uh, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. And so they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And here's the statement. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Oh, dang. You ever wonder if God's just in heaven just listening to this guy going, oh, come on, come on, come on. Except for that last line when he goes, and what God will save you from my hands? And maybe God's like, oh, you stepped over a line. You went one too far there, Neb. That wasn't smart. And watch their response. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They are looking at the most powerful man on the planet and going, none your business. We don't have to answer you in this. Oh, my goodness. And then he kept going. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Okay, so there's a key phrase in their answer. It's one thing for they to say, we have no need to answer you. Then you see this faith. Our God, whom we serve, can, he can deliver us from your hands, and he will deliver us from your hands. And then there's this statement, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we won't bow down. In other words, 
It may not turn out the way that we thought, but we will not bow down. Friends, I think we have way too many what-if Christians and not enough even-if Christians. What if it's like, well, what if he doesn't come through? Or what if I stand up and people mock me or they persecute me or they ignore me? Like, what if, what if God, what if this happens? What, I don't know if I'm gonna really go through. It's all dependent upon a circumstance or it's dependent upon whether or not God will come through the way that we're imagining it. That's not following Christ. That's not to deny self, pick up our cross and follow after Jesus. Guys, that's looking at God saying, do things the way that I want you to do. Even if followers of Jesus say, our God can do anything he wants. Our God can. And man, so we're going to ask because he's told us that we can ask. Ask for anything. But even if he doesn't answer me this way, we will not bow down. We will not relent. We will not turn away from Jesus. Why? Because at some point when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In the Aramaic, you know what the word father is? It's the word Abba. Abba means papa or dada. It's what a one-year-old calls dad for the first time. It's personal and intimate, and that's what we're invited to call the God of the universe. I've heard people say this. I've heard I've heard Bible preachers say, I know it says Father, I know that it was in the Aramaic, but it doesn't mean we can call him Dad. I'm like, if that's what the word means, why are you saying we can't just because you don't like it? Our Papa. You're like, <gasps> but then also look what he says. Our Father, our Abba, hallowed be your name. It's both. Some people live in that Abba part. It's like, he's just like a dad. He's just super close, but I can get away with anything. I got him wrapped around my finger. No, you don't. And then there's the other side. No, 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 don't approach him that way. No, 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 it's just holy, holy. And he is holy. But isn't it amazing that when Jesus showed up on the planet, the kids sure like to be in his lap. They sure like to be with him. So he says, our Abba, hallowed be your name. Guys, I remember when, my, uh, when Tyler, my oldest, I remember when he was one, he was talking, talking, you know what I mean, talking, just kind of making noises. And so I remember I was driving home once, and I'm on the phone with Kelly, and, and as we're talking, all of a sudden she goes, wait, 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 Tyler wants to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. And in my head, I'm like, oh, okay. It's not going to be all, I don't know what he's going to say, but here we go. And so he gets on the phone, and he says, I'm like, oh my gosh, is this tongues? I need an interpreter. Like, this isn't right. It's like, it's just making noises. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden, after about a minute and a half of that, I'm like, oh my gosh, tell me more, tell me more. Tell me more. All of a sudden, I hear Kelly go, okay, tell him bye-bye. And I heard him say this, bye-bye, da-da. I know. I'm like, oh, oh, first time, first time, first time he said it. I'm like, mom, he said like two days in, but like me, I had to wait a year. But by that time, I'm like, oh, she gets on the phone. I'm like, I'm going to go buy him a pony. <laughs> oh my gosh, what was that? Man, it just blessed my heart. Why? Because my kid knew me. And he knew he could call me that. Oh, it just blessed my heart. And when we talked about prayer before, 
Guys, I want to encourage you again. Please stop trying to impress God with all the Asian words in your prayer. God, glorification, justification, sanctification, flatulation. Like whatever the Asian words you're trying to throw in there. It's like, here's your name. I'm going to tell you all of your names. He's like, I know who I am. And here's the thing. Why pray to him if he already knows everything? But here's the thing. When we start thinking like that, we actually think that prayer is just passing on information rather than being relational. Guys, prayer isn't just information. It's not like God's sitting there going, what, wait, what happened? I missed that one. I was busy. <laughs> Guys, growing up, the boys like to watch Power Rangers. Thank you. I know some of you like it, but it, okay, and it's fine if you do. I, I, I never sat down and thought, I just, it, like the boys are taking a nap, I just really want to watch Power Rangers. I've never done that. I'm not going to dog on it, but I just I was like, I kind of know what's going to happen. And so all of a sudden, Tyler, I make, I make Sam at the, at the office working, and I come home, and Dad's like, or Tyler's like, Dad, Dad, you know what happened at Power Rangers today? And in my head, I'm like, probably, probably. And I would usually say, tell me. I didn't say no, because I did. They always acted the same. In the first part, you have them acting horribly, bad acting in the beginning. Come on, don't judge me. It's not good. So they're acting, and then all of a sudden, they hear about the dude that shows up, and he's coming from, and he's kind of cartoonish looking, but kind of like a puppet, but not. He's a person. And then they're going to go up, and they show up, they start fighting, they're beating him down, and all of a sudden, he gets big, and he starts beating them down, then they get big, oh, and then they beat him down completely, and then there's bad acting at the end. Right? That's, that's pretty much it. So when Tyler comes, Dad, do you know what happened in Power Rangers? He says, tell me. Tell me. And he's like, Dad, oh, Power Rangers. He's like doing all the moves. He's like, then he came and bam, bam, boom, he's doing through it. And then he's like, and then they won. I'm like, no way. Why didn't they just cut him off? I know. Guys, because it wasn't about information. I just love it when my boys want to talk to me. That's it. Guys, prayer isn't about informing God of anything. It's just about relating with him, talking to him, listening to him. Guys, this is the kind of relationship that he wants. Friends, I want to encourage us, if you're a follower of Christ, fully commit your life to Christ. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it means master, Guys, I think that there's this problem that a lot of people want the blessings that come with following Jesus without having to follow Jesus. They want the blessing that comes with surrendering to the Lordship of Christ, but just keep Jesus out of it. It's weird how often I'll hear, just accept Jesus as your Savior, and yet the Bible says surrender to him or confess him as Lord. The word confess there in the Greek means to say something in such a way that your life will follow your declaration. The word Lord means master. It is not, hey, I want to accept you into my life. No, no, no. It's me surrendering before the master. And then saying, God, whatever you want. And so when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I can ask whatever I want. And then I submit to the answer that God says. Isn't it amazing how blessed we are when God says yes and, 
And yet how bummed out we are when he says no. Friends, until we can see that God's yes and God's no and God's wait are all based on the fact that he's good. And he has his best interest in mind for us. Friends, there are times that I've told my kids no. You can't do that. You can't. When Dylan's, or when Tyler was just starting to crawl and he wanted to stick his finger in a light socket. I mean, it really happened. And I, that was the rule. We didn't, we didn't baby-proof a house. It's like, welcome to our house. You'll learn the rules. We'll be good. We'll play. We'll have fun. But there's certain things don't do. And he knew this one. And I thought my kid was perfect before this. Thought he was like the second Messiah. <laughs> and I saw him. He starts crawling over there. And he starts to reach out. And I said, Tyler, no. He said, I go, did you explain why? I did not. Why? Because I'm in charge. And because I don't want my kid, I don't want, can you imagine me explaining? Hey, I just want to explain to you why you shouldn't. Just, okay, I, don't, I just said no. He looks back and he, it's this look, guys. It, it's like he said this. He looks back. And the look on his face was like this. I respectfully disagree with you. And he turned again, and he went for it. And I popped out of that chair and smacked that hand, and you're like, ah, and he's like, what the? It's like, ah. Oh. I said, that was Jesus. I'm not just saying, I didn't say that. I, was like, I said, no. And then, then he got into it. He's like, ugh. And he like grunted. He grunted it. He's one. Reaches out. Whack. Now it's a battle. I'm like, dude, you're one. I'm not. It's not going to end well for you, buddy. Come on. Just learn. Back up. Bam, bam, boom, boom, boom. Finally stops. It's like, and he, <laughs> he finally just leans over. Diaper butt. Feet out. So you sit there and go, Brian, he has to learn. Friends, if that's your attitude, don't have children. <laughs> Think about it. Oh, he has to learn. Oh, okay. Hey, your fingers. Here, Tyler, here's a knife. That's not going to work. Stick in there and just hold on. Just go for it. Guys, I would say no. Why? For his joy. And for some of you, actually think of the commandments of God. What he says yes to, what he says no to, the one who created joy, you see it as the ultimate kill joy, taking joy away from you, and the whole time God is saying, that will kill you, trust me, this is for your good, this is for your pleasure, this is for your joy. But just because he says to do something and you don't want to do it, friends, it's weird, it's just, it's just no one likes to be told what to do, I get that. But when God, when God is Father, Abba, you begin to trust the heart of God and he says, no, don't do this. Don't, don't let those thoughts go that direction. These feelings go that direction. Trust me in what I say. It's for your good. We have a lot of what if followers. Well, let's change that. We have a lot of people who claim Christ, but they're what if Friends, we're called to even if, no matter what, no matter what. Now watch what happens. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, verse 19. And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it usually was heated. That's necessary. Like, think through that. 
Fire level one that kills people is not enough. Let's set that thing seven times hotter so it will kill people. Like it doesn't, it's like a, this is a guy with all power just throwing a tantrum. It's like, what? Seven times hotter. And I'm, I'm wondering if someone's just sitting there going, okay. And then the people, like some of the guys get around going, why are we doing this? Just shut up. Just do it. Seven times. You throw seven logs on. There you go. Seven times hotter. No, they actually did it. You're going to see it kind of backfires on him. So seven times hotter. Here's the next one. Verse 20. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Get the strongest people in the army to tie some knots. Guys, Boy Scouts learn how to tie knots. No, get Bubba. Get Bubba, the dude that has no neck because his muscles are up to his ears. Abs all over his neck, the big jacked up guy. Get him to tie some knots. He's like, I can't even put my hands together. As he's trying to tie knots, maybe the eight-year-old's in the front going, you're so stupid. That's not a knot. Shut up. He's bind- so he binds them, seven times hotter, get the strongest man in his army to tie some knots. Verse 21, then these men were bound in the burning, fiery furnace. I'm sorry, I'm going to step. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown in the burning fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent, and the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oops. Oops. Can you imagine? Oh, you guys are going to die today. And then all of a sudden, you go in. And at what point does Nebuchadnezzar go, oh, man. I really like Bubba. (laughs) That didn't work. Verse 23, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. They fell bound. And watch the next verse, 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. And he answered, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Dang. Can you imagine? As Nebuchadnezzar's like, victory. What the? Can you imagine looking in and there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just walking around? Guys, how many would trash talk a little bit? Be honest. Guys, I would look at Nebuchadnezzar and go, brr, brr. Can you throw us a coat? Come on in. And he says, oh, I see, I see four of them. And the fourth one looks like what? Like the son of the gods. It doesn't say who it is. I have, a, I have an opinion. There's something called a theophany. It's the appearance of Christ before the incarnation of Christ. I think Jesus showed up in the fire. That's my, that's my opinion. Because remember when Nebuchadnezzar said, and what God will be able to rescue out of my hands? Wouldn't it be just like God to say, I'm the one that fights for my people. And that he would show up. And he would walk in the fire. Here's the other thing, friends. They went inbound I mean, all roped up. But here's the thing. The fire is what was used by God to unbind them. 
Friends, when you go through difficult situations, and we talked about, we looked at Isaiah 43, remember I was sitting there reading with my boys in the room and they were sleeping? It says, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Do you ever wonder if they knew that passage? When they went through this, do you ever think, this? Oh, I knew this one. I've heard this one. I heard him say it. I, I knew he wrote it down. Mom and dad passed this one on. Hey, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. How could they be so confident? Because maybe they had already heard it in the word. But that difficult, that fire that they went into that was supposed to destroy them, all it did was free them. Guys, the difficult situations that we face, at no point has God ever said, oops. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know I was busy on this side. I'll get to it in just a second. Guys, the trials that we face introduce us to a, to a deeper understanding of who God is. And think about it. How often do you ask for God to do a miracle, but you don't want to go through the crisis that necessitates it? God, I want to see the miraculous, but don't make me hurt. I want to be right there in the front row, but I don't want to go through the bad stuff. Guys, the trials that we face have a purpose. Remember I mentioned, I think it was this morning about my wife. 17 years ago, I remember... Because my, my youngest is 17, it was, he was a month old when we found out that she had thyroid cancer. I still remember when we left the house for her first, uh, well, she had a first surgery to remove her thyroid, and then I remember about four months after that, she had to go have uh, radioactive iodine, which was pretty much one pill that was radioactive. I remember going, before we left, her parents came down, watched the boys, so here's Tyler, two years old, one month old, they're holding him. And Kelly gets in the car, but here's the thing. She would have to go into the hospital and be in a hospital room all by herself for a whole week. If I was to visit, and I only visited her once when this happened, so picture this stage, bless you, so that corner of that stage, and I could be over here. I'd open the door. I'm holding a little meter. I'd have to say in the beginning, this is what it said. I'd close the door. She'd have to sit way over there. I could be in there for five minutes, look at her from a distance, and then I'd have to leave and make sure it still said zero. I hated it. I went one time. I talked longer on the phone. It was better. But I remember before we even left. We're pulling out of the driveway, and she's looking at her boys, and she's so strong. She's just waving, and Tyler, they don't have, Tyler's no clue. Dylan's just there. But Tyler's just sitting. He's just waving, bye, Mom. Bye, Mom. And as her mom is watching, she's tearing up. Dad's being strong, and he's got little Dylan and here's, as we're backing out and we start to pull away, she just keeps waving and Tyler's waving as we drive. And then we turn the corner and all of a sudden she stops and she just starts beating her chest. She's like, this hurts so bad. Because she knew she would never nurse him again, never nurse Dylan. And she would miss being around her boys for two weeks total, one week in the hospital and another week somewhere else. And she just bawled and just cried. And I'm sitting and driving and I'm crying, but I'm trying to be strong. And as she's crying, I'm praying, really, you're going to let your daughter hurt like this? And so we got through that part. And then there was a part where she got, she got scanned, like she had blood work done. And, and she got a scan, but the scan showed clear and went, and Lisa back there, she was part of our pastoral team, so she was there praying, and like the pastors came in and laid hands on her and prayed, and, and then it came back clear, and I'm like, this is awesome, like a miracle. I just got to experience a miracle, now I can write a book. 
make millions. But the levels were going up, and it didn't make sense. I remember I told everyone when I said, it's clear, and I'm calling people, we're going to have a party tomorrow in the office, I'm going to pay for it, it's going to be great. How humbling is it to call back and go, never mind. It's not true. She's not healed. And I remember there was, there's a pastor who's in charge of all the maintenance on our campus, and I just love him. His name is Gene and he prayed this. I remember he prayed this over her when we were all together. He said, that, he said something like this. God, I pray that you would do something in such a way that it leaves us amazed. See, I couldn't explain why all this was happening. Why it came back the way clear, but the levels were going up. Like he answered his prayer specifically. And I remember when we got the news... Kelly's parents said, well, watch the kids. Just go for a walk. And so I walked with my wife, and we got maybe about three-quarters of a mile away, and she just said, can we sit at the curb? And I, I sat down with her, and she said, can we pray? Friends, this is what I said. This is your camp speaker. I said, I'm done praying because it doesn't do anything. And so she starts to pray. And this is how she prayed, as tears are streaming down her face, and, I can, and the, the tears are dropping on the curb, and I'm seeing them land. She said, God, we prayed that you would do something in such a way that people would be confused at what happens. And we thank you that you've done that. I'm like, how'd I get her? Like, I don't get this. I'm supposed to be strong for her. And I started praying. And this was my prayer. God, this is your daughter. And you see her hurting like this and you don't change it? I didn't do it out loud. I figured that would be a bummer. But that's how I prayed. Why do I say this? Because I want you to know, guys, I used to sit in those seats. Guys, this Hume is so important for me. I love this place. Because when I was 17 in this third row where the, where the pew angles, right where you guys are sitting, that's where I made my all-in decision for Jesus. So I remember it. But I want you to understand, like, when I would sit in, the, when I'd sit in your seats, I'm like, oh, they're perfect. They'd have no problems. Oh, their faith is always strong. Oh, if it'd be like that. And then I became that dude. I'm like, I'm just normal. I'm figuring things out, and I get frustrated and angry, and I want to follow Jesus with everything I have, and there's these questions and doubts that still plague me and hit me, and oh, it's what a, what a ride. What a journey. I remember at one point, she, uh, I had to stay home with the boys. Um, she had to go have another scan done. Uh, they were taking a nap, and so she came home, and they said, how, how to, how'd it go? And she goes, um... They think they might have seen something on my brain. And no joke, right after that, she says, I need to go to the grocery store. <laughs> I'm like, you cannot drop that bomb on me and go buy salami. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> like, I don't care. I don't know. And she's like, I got to go. The boys are sleeping. You got them. And she just goes to the store, and I'm just sitting there. I sat down on the couch, and you know what popped in my head? A buddy of mine preached a message 
We talked about what it means to deny self, pick up your cross and follow Jesus. And that word deny self, I always thought just keep the bad stuff away. And he's saying that. It's like you can keep all the good stuff, family, friends, ministry, all the stuff that's good. Bear hug that sucker. Don't let anything happen. Keep all the bad stuff away. He says, that's not denying self, that's just self-denial. Denying self means you take everything that you would bear hug, you don't hold it to yourself, you open it up to God, and you say, it's yours. That's what came to my mind. And on that couch, in that tiny little living room, our first little home, I took my hands, and I slammed them down on my lap, and I said, God, she's yours. But if you take her, you better help me with the pain. And I was released, Guys, at no point after that did I pray for her healing. You're like, wow, what a jerk. No, because here's why. Because the Bible says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And I did. And I prayed for her comfort. I prayed for her peace. But I knew he had it. I knew he had it. But even if it didn't turn out the way that I thought, the trial that I was going through unbound me so that I could walk in freedom in the sovereign grace of God. Friends, I don't want to do it again. And I'm so thankful that she's cancer-free now. I don't want to go through it again, but I would never trade it. I would never trade it. If God said, hey, I'll take that part out of your life. You'll never have to face, let's do it again. Take that part. I say, no, because I never knew that you and me could be like this. I never knew what it meant to be deep and intimate fellowship with the sovereign creator of the universe. To be able to say, God, whatever you want, it's all about you, has nothing to do with me. So if, 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 if I have to burn even more, so be it. To you be all the glory. Friends, may we show the world the difference, what it means to be even if followers of Jesus, if it doesn't turn out my way, we still go with Jesus. Why? Because he's worth it. He's worth it. Guys, in Acts chapter 7, that's where Stephen is martyred because of his faith. The first person to die because he simply loved Jesus. As they drag him out, and then they pick up stones and they start throwing stones at him with the purpose of killing him. He says, he looked up in heaven, he says, okay, I see heaven open, and I see the Son of Man standing Guys, I feel like most of the time whenever I see about Jesus in the heavens, he's always seated at the right hand of the Father. But here he's standing. Why? This is my interpretation. This is my guess. I think it's the first time that Jesus stood in ovation for an even if follower of Jesus. And I think he still does it for every single person who's martyred today. And I think they all get to see it. Why would one get to see it and not the rest? I think he stands in ovation. He says, I see him. I see him. And he's standing. And then we see say, Jesus, don't hold this against him. Forgive him. They don't know. Oh, into your hands I commit my spirit. Doesn't he sound a lot like Jesus? You're like, I could never be like that. Oh, we can when we... When we are convinced that it wasn't about Stephen in that moment, it was the Holy Spirit and him making sure that he sounded just like Jesus. Why? Because Stephen was even if. Even if. Friends, I want to invite us to do that and be that.
Guys, the what if Christianity? I just don't believe it's Christianity. Even if is what we're called to. That's what it means to follow Jesus. To go with him no matter what. Why? Because you're not just in it for the stuff. You just want to be wherever Jesus is. So as Kendall and team's going to come back out, they're going to lead us in this last song. Friends, I want to invite you just like last night to worship Jesus in a manner worthy of Jesus, but I want you to start to pray before. And I want you to ask God this question. Is there something in my life? What in my life is holding me back from being even if? Guys, again, I don't think that there's a such thing as a what if Christian and an even if Christian, but to truly surrender everything. God, what am I holding on to? What am I holding on to? Oh, God, oh, even if your kingdom come, your will be done. Even if that means I'll follow you. Can we stand? I'll pray. We'll go back into this last song. Father, thank you. Thank you for a time to be together in community. Jesus, thank you that you stand in ovation for your kids, especially those who say we will pay the ultimate price. God, there are more martyrs today for the faith than at any point in all of, in all of history. God, I, I want to be that kind of follower. And so God, start with me. What is it that's holding me back? Where I'm just whatever you want, God, whatever you want. Holy Spirit, in this last song of worship, would you help us to worship in a manner worthy of the triune God that we say we follow and serve? And as you do, God, to you be all the praise, all the glory and all the honor for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you more than you know.